Hi there, my name is Alex Faust and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week we meet with a top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. Hello everyone, welcome, welcome to Conversations at the Edge. I am not your typical host today, my name is Zev Gaeta, I lead product and customer success at Growth Institute and with us today we have one of our thought leaders of the edge, Jorge Calle, who is also one investor of Growth Institute. So it's a huge honor to have you here today, Jorge. Um, to give Thanks everyone, thank you for being here. And, and to give everyone uh, a brief intro on uh, Jorge. So Jorge is an entrepreneur, author, board member, and passionate about history. He was trained in leadership with business and military, military leaders including Navy SEALs. And one of his companies is Startups, um, through which he helps train successful leaders and companies. So his work is mainly focused on leadership, culture, and strategies. So Jorge, getting uh, right into it. In, in your experience, having the right mission, vision, values is the core to growing a great company. Can you give us some background on how you came to that conclusion and why is that um, you are helping organizations do that right now? Okay, yeah. So what I really believe is that leadership is the key to growing a great company. And having one mission connected to a vision and guided by values is the base over which to build and grow a successful and enduring business. So we have startups called this having a business creed which is a unified story of mission, vision, and values. And it's one of the most important leadership tools that you can have. You know, a, a few days ago, I was helping an entrepreneur. He's still in college, right? And the teacher asked him to develop these three elements. So I asked him if he understood why. And his answer, his answer was no. He, he doesn't know what they're for. So he did the work, but in, in the end, there's no connection to the business model no connection to the culture, the operations of the company he wants to build. And when I work with members of board or of boards of directors, I also like to ask them about these elements in their companies or similar elements that they might have. And they usually tell me that they have them somewhere. Usually they've paid a lot of money for their work, but they don't know what it is. No one knows what it is. And I'm talking about teams of 15 people at the highest levels of leadership in a company. And therefore, for them, there's also no connection to the business model, to the culture, to daily operations. So it's a thing that you notice from the academy to real business of every size. And it's something I've lived myself as a student, as an employee with my own businesses. I done the work. I did the work, but I didn't know why, and I didn't understand the connection. So in reality, it had an impact in everything we did. So to your question, how did I come to this conclusion? Well, I think that I just paid attention to history and to successful leaders from the past and the present. I noticed that there have always been missions carried out successfully in history from the Spartans, holding back the Persians at the Pass of Thermopylae to the Allies taking the beach on D-Day in Normandy. And there have always been great visions. 
from the one that, that Alexander the Great shared with his army in Troy to the one that Martin Luther King Jr. shared with his uh, shared at the National Mall in Washington. And there, there have always been also values guiding team successfully from the Bushido code to the summer. So, so I, I assume that's where storytelling comes in then. So why is storytelling or stories so important um, yeah, in, in business? Yeah, so, so listen, I noticed that there's a connection between these elements. For example, imagine I said this to you. That if we take that hail bravely, creatively, and with patriotism, we, then we will end war and bring peace to our countries and return to our homes and families. So in one sentence, you find all three elements in a simple and clear manner. And with that, you could align and, and unite an entire army. So how can we in business can't do this? How can we make it so confusing? And that's why we often don't get alignment. We don't get unity. And I see this in my work all the time. Right? It, so, it, so, where else in business would you think stories then have a big impact? Yeah, well, listen, um, just to tie this to, to your, your other question, I think that the story is integral because for millennia, stories have moved the hearts of people. And when you move hearts, the minds are open to listen and, and to be moved as well. And then the hands can get to work because people can now connect what they're doing to why they are doing it and how also from an ethical point of view. So, so it's very different to tell your people that, that as a team, we aspire to be the market leaders in five years. It's very different to tell them that than telling them as Nelson Mandela did, for example, that you know, I share with the idea of a democratic and free society in which all persons live together in harmony and with equal opportunities. So man, that's completely different for the one who's listening, you know, for the one who's looking for a reason to wake up every day and devote most of their work time to work. So a story that, as you're aware, asking impacts every part of business gives people the opportunity to be, to be part of it, to build it, but also to gain something from it. And that makes it inspiring. And that, that's important because if you get to play a role that connect that connects to something bigger, then a story can help you find meaning. And that's crucial. So why that is, that is why giving a people, people a narrative that they care about is an integral part of leadership and what we do at startups, for example, that what else, where else do stories have a big impact? Stories have a big impact in many places in business. A storytelling expert will tell you a lot about that, but in this case, this particular story, the business creed that's composed of a mission, vision, and values can and should influence everything in your company. So from the grand strategy of your business, your creed helps you verify that it's constantly aligned and that the business model is consistent. A good vision, for example, allows you to take goals from it to be used in strategic planning for years, if not decades. It becomes the source of strategic planning for everyone in your company. A good mission, for, for instance, will guide decision-making at every level in a very simple manner. And a unified mission will allow you to give mission clarity to every single business unit, department, team, person within that team, um, with vertical and horizontal alignment. So the values, for example, they allow, you, they allow people to prioritize their actions in real time. So you don't have robots in your company, but you do have empowered execution guided by a consistent way of behaving. And that entire business grid uh, guided by a consistent way of behaving um, will, 
it will go to your entire organizational design, connecting mm -hmm. people, processes, setting. And th those are a few of the places where the story will have a big impact for your businesses, among many others. And I assume also externally, right? Because when this story is so well formulated internally, um, it also has a big impact on on the way your your customers are going to absolutely your brand internally. Internally, it becomes your brand, your your culture. Externally, it becomes your brand. What people mm -hmm. perceive from your culture, from from what you are actually doing. Perfect. And so you have a great process for building a company vision. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Yes. Thanks. Well. We want companies to end up with something truly inspiring, but at the same time, something that's practical, that can truly improve results. So we always begin by differentiating vision from long-term goals, which is what companies usually end up with. So you end up with uh, to be market leaders by X date or to achieve X percentage of market share by 2025, something like that. Uh, but in the process, we explained that a goal is like a 100-meter dash. You know, there's a clear finish line, and as soon as you cross it, you can measure it, your performance, your results, but your but that particular dash ends. It doesn't look like a vision, because a vision is to imagine the future in your mind as during a dream. So it's more like an endless marathon that is made up is made up of infinite 100 meter dashes. So to say that our vision is to be market leaders by X date isn't so imaginative or inspiring for everyone in the company. However, telling your people that. Thanks to their work, hundreds of thousands of people who never finished high school will become devoted learners of great literature, philosophy, and science, or the prism emits. We'll learn about Plato and Darwin and Faulkner and ask for, and ask for more. You know that the best teachers in the world will teach 1,000 times the number of students they now reach, or that they will share the success of the company, making large numbers of them wealthy. Uh, those things are powerful in the hands of leaders. So in developing the vision, we always recommend leaders not to get bogged down on writing, on editing, because that's secondary in the process. The dream must come first. So we help them dream the external. You know, what do we envision for customers, for society, for the planet, et cetera? And dream the internal. What do you envision for your staff, for your culture, your shareholders, your setting, et cetera? And we encourage them to dream with an infinite mind, but also to give details and specifics to their vision. Mm -hmm. And something that's very important, uh, we help them make sure that everyone in their company can be participants of the vision and also beneficiaries. Those are key aspects of that process. Oh, okay. So with them being participants and beneficiaries, they're part of building the story and benefiting from, from this vision. What's the hardest part when you're coaching leaders to do this? to bring this mission to life? What's the hardest part there? Okay. Well, the thing is that part is key because if people aren't participants, then what, what, what are they, right? And if they gain nothing personally from all that work, then why should they do it? Why even consider giving it their best? I was, mm -hmm. I guess I'll tell you a story, a quick story. I was recently in a board meeting and one of the VPs presented the new vision of the company that they had developed with a consultant. And the vision talked about business growth, about shareholders, geographical expansion, business units, and organizational structure. It said nothing about the people that worked in the company. So I asked about it. And the VP answered that the part, of, the, the part that said 
organizational structure referred to the people. But you see, that's the problem because it doesn't. And the language you use, not only in writing, but everywhere as a leader, sends a clear message to what is important in the business. And if you, as an employee, are just a number or just a cog in the organizational structure, then it's really hard to connect your personal work and personal growth and take everything you've got to your work. And so no wonder that we've been talking about a great resignation in the past years. Uh So mission, vision, and values, they're not a checklist. When I talk about our people becoming participants and beneficiaries of the company vision, I mean it. I mean, I mean it from the most humane point of view. It's important that if you're going to ask people to follow us somewhere great, that they feel that they can help build that that greatness. But also, and especially that by doing so, they will also gain something. Because that's a basic human need. What's in it for me? So I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say that it's the hardest part or or that it is very hard. Because if you care about your people, they will be part of your vision one way or another. And if they are, well, the rest is just a matter of consistency, of leading by example, of treating people as people, not as numbers, and making that evident in every single process, every meeting, every feedback one-on-one. So the, making, the, the main challenge isn't making your people participants and beneficiaries of the vision, but aligning your leaders under a un, unified philosophy of leadership that believes in all of this. And leadership, that is the main challenge and that's the key to success that's what i would say and could you share what makes a good mission versus a bad one what makes a good mission versus a bad one yeah well good missions are clear and they are simple and bad missions they aren't so when you when you're given a mission like taking the beach mm-hmm. everyone from the lowest to the highest levels understand what needs to be accomplished by the end of the day. It's simple and it's clear. We need to take the beach. That's the mission. But if, for example, you're given a mission like synergizing our core competencies to achieve unprecedented levels of innovation and transformational growth um, while leveraging our thought leadership and strategic partnership to, to deliver cutting edge solutions that exceed customer expectations and create sustainable value for our stakeholders and communities. Now, <clears throat> now, those are real missions. Now, would you understand from your job what it is that you're supposed to accomplish by the end of the day? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would say it's almost impossible to know. Yeah, and that happens to a lot of companies. It happens to a lot of companies. And if you don't understand the mission, how can you execute it? You can't. So it's normal that we get people rowing in different directions in our businesses. And also, good missions in business, they are enduring. And what I mean by that is that they aren't defined by a product or a current trend, right? They allow the business model to be flexible over time. So they let you adapt without compromising create consistency. So in, in this way, if, for example, if your mission is to rent videotapes in a physical store, then you're going to lose the game to Netflix. Right? Mm-hmm. But if your mission is to entertain the world, whatever your taste, and no matter where you live, then you might transition from a blockbuster model to a Netflix model. And who knows what else in the future. 
but you'll have a better chance of enduring in business. That's it. That's another very important thing. So clear and simple and a mission that is enduring in time. Um, so you mentioned a lot cascading the mission to different business units and different uh, different levels of, of, the, of the organization. And I think this is a, a very interesting concept, especially when a lot of the companies that that are in our community, there are companies that are using scaling up. And right. one of the hardest parts is cascading priorities and KPIs and keeping everyone aligned. So right. can you tell me a little bit more about this, taking this one step forward with the, miss, with the mission? Yeah, yes. Well, for instance, when you give your business the mission of taking the beach, then everyone has one mission. But then not everyone contributes to that mission in the same way. So you may have landing craft drivers, you may have pilots, you may have infantry soldiers, etc. And the mission of the landing craft drivers isn't the same as the pilot's mission. They have specific missions of their own. But the important thing is that each of those missions contribute to the one mission of taking the beach. So if the landing craft drivers don't accomplish their mission of getting the troops to the beach, and the pilots don't accomplish the, their mission of clearing the ground for the troops, then the overall mission won't be accomplished. So when everyone has one mission, but then unit businesses, departments, teams, and individual roles also have clarity of their own missions, and they understand how those missions connect to the main one, then you have alignment. You can empower execution and chances of success, you know, they are improved. So my recommendation is to begin define, defining that one mission, but then give clarity of mission to the rest of your organization, from business units to departments, to teams, to individual roles. Make sure that all those missions connect to the main one and never stop talking about those missions in every meeting, every conversation, every email, every chat, because after all, results depend on the daily accomplishment of the mission. So it, it all comes down to whether each person knows what needs to be done, why, and if they're doing it, and how can we as leaders, as leaders help them do it in, in a more effective way, right? So that's cascading the mission, and it's, it's extremely useful. And I would like to move a little bit into the values now, and could you share yeah. examples of companies who are doing a great job at living their values and making it a, a part of a daily activity and decision-making? Yeah, absolutely. Um, feeling comes to mind. I mean, there's an architecture firm, firm called Feeling, and one of their values is we care. So they use that phrase a hundred times each day. There's not a single meeting, discussion, or decision where that value isn't present. So you heard them talk, um, if we're going to cut on the budget, are we caring? With that design, are we caring? You know, this decision regarding salaries, are we caring? And in their answers, they always remind us themselves that they care. And that single value has allowed them to choose not only their customers carefully, it has taken them to have, to have such levels of customer service that they have never paid for advertising since they started more than a, a decade ago. It's all been word to mouth. And it's one of the most profitable architectural businesses I've ever known. And there's also, there's Inveos. Inveos uh, lives, it's a company that lives uh, by a value called above the line. And above the line is a value that means for them that 
there are no excuses and there are no there's no blaming there's just responsibility solutions and initiative and they also talk about that value all day long so if the situation with a customer isn't easy and the team starts complaining about it then so someone suddenly uh, says hey i think we're below the line here and everyone immediately understands and they switch to solution mode and i've noticed that people who work there have even taken that value to their homes and they honestly mm -hmm. tell you that it, it has changed their entire lives so that's another example and well finally take for example patagonia right one of their values yes. is environmentalism <laughs> to protect our home uh, our home planet and they live by that value. I mean, Patagonia has donated millions of dollars to environmental organizations. It has implemented standards to reduce its impact on the planet. It encourages customers to repair and reuse their Patagonia clothing instead of buying new items. It's pretty amazing. So those are a few examples of companies that are really living their values and making them a part of daily actions. Yeah. And so you also say that the, the values uh, need a priority order, right? That you're you're able to prioritize them. Why is yeah. that? Yeah, well, it's not enough to identify values. The order of priority is very important for daily activity and decision making. Is because people in every level will experience situations where there will be a conflict between values. So how should they proceed <clears throat> when that happens? The so conflict between values can be solved through a hierarchy of values so if we have a clarity of priorities everyone will know um, best how to act but not only that but you'll have a better chance that two people that are thousands of miles apart from each other will make decisions in a similar way right so it's a tool for building the culture that we need for example a company may have a value of profitability so maximizing profits and reducing costs in order to generate returns for shareholders However, that value might conflict with another value such as environmentalism. So promoting environmental sustainability by reducing waste. Okay, so in such a case, a hierarchy of values can help the company prioritize its values and, makes this, and make decisions when they come into conflict. For instance, the company may prioritize environmental sustainability above profits or vice versa. And this will then guide the decision-making process for everyone when conflicts arise. For instance, if the company prioritizes environmentalism, they may decide to invest in environmentally friendly processes and products. Now, even if this means lower profits in the short term. On the other hand, if, if the company profit prioritizes profitability, they may choose to implement cost-saving initiatives over sustainability initiatives. So, it's not that both values are important to the company. It's just that in either case, having a clear hierarchy of values can help the company navigate conflicting values and make decisions that align with those values. That's why that's so important to have a hierarchy of values. Yeah. And, and, and as you say, not, not having to have everyone being robots, just executing and micromanaging. It's all about empowering every layer of the organization to make a decision based on those okay. values and that yeah completely different yeah right it's, we don't want robots i mean we're leadership it's all about human beings companies 
companies are in the walls or social media, they're not the systems or they're not the, the uh, they're nothing about, they're, they're human beings. And we don't manage human beings, we lead human beings. So that's why, yeah, we don't want robots. We want to empower people that can execute in a decentralized way based on a clear direction that we're giving them. Yeah, so it requires a lot of things among which trust is the most important. And that takes time. That's, that's what leadership is for, yeah. In, in to wrap up, um, you talk about the great uh, resignation and you talk about uh, transforming it into the great commitment. Um, can you just share your thoughts there? And, and that will be our last question for today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, the great resignation describes a recent trend of employees leaving their jobs, right? And for many reasons, cost of living, limited career opportunities, wage stagnation, hostile work environments, job dissatisfaction, etc. But I believe that this resignation goes much further. I believe that and I believe that because even many of the people who are still present in our companies really are absent in so many ways. I mean, they show no commitment, no initiative, no accountability, no performance. And the fact is that many things haven't changed in history. I mean, people have always had the need to find an answer to why they are fighting for or whom. And they're valid questions. I mean, why? Because if we as leaders continue to respond to them with a you know, come work with my, for my increase in sales. Come work for my increase in market share or my improvement in earnings, earnings per share. So do we really expect them to give our businesses the best part of their time and their abilities? I mean, why should they? What why are we giving our people that touches their hearts so that they want to offer their hands as well for our cost? And that's where the story, you know, the business grid with your mission, your vision and values is decisive. Because as leaders, it is our responsibility to invite our people to, to a story worth living, you know, a story that helps produce better results for everyone. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, the story is not enough. I mean, you can write the best story. And if no one reads it, it does nothing. And, and you can read it. But if you don't implement what you learned from it, then it does nothing for your results. So a good story requires personal and collective leadership if it is to produce results, results in real life. So at the end, leadership is the key. And if that business creed that is composed of a mission, a vision and values is your battle standard, like then we as leaders need to take that standard and raise it, you know, make it visible for everyone so that everyone can follow it. And so that if it is in danger at some point in time, everyone will run to protect it. And that's, that, is, that is how we win the quarter. But that's also the way in which we'll help our businesses in beautiful decades. And well, that's the idea. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates. Or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again and see you next time.